Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. On today's episode, Garth Jones returns with his segment, Pass the Ammo. This time we're looking back at the great Aussie film, Road Games. My name is Justin Hamilton and you're listening to Big Squid. Hello and thanks for joining Garth and me today. Uh, I'm going to keep this uh, incredibly short up front. I have finally caught COVID. So I am going to treat the next uh, 10 days or a couple of weeks uh, very carefully and make sure that I get over this properly. Uh, So this will be the last podcast for, I reckon, at least the next week and a half. I I reckon I'll look to recommence uh, after Anzac Day. Uh, So the main goal here is to recover and make sure that I'm right on top of it before getting back to work. Uh, As you know, I was going to uh, take... uh, a week off from the podcast to get on top of some other projects, but now it is about uh, getting on top of the health side of things and uh, making sure that I don't go back too early. That seems to be the big mistake that people make. They feel that they're fine and they go back too quickly and then things get worse. So, uh, so I will be very tentative and then I will be back uh, soon with uh, more podcasts for you. And uh, for the Patreon listeners, we'll we'll get stuff up and running uh, once again uh, at a at a slightly later date. Uh, also, a quick shout out for Garth's book Cheaper Skips, which is boasting a five star rating on Goodreads, which is fantastic. I'll post a link for the book on our Big Squid Facebook page. Uh, let's get into it. We're going to follow a trucker who keeps himself amused on the road while driving long hours by playing fun games. When he picks up a hitchhiker, he suddenly realises he's on the trail of a serial killer. Let's talk about the 1981 classic Road Games. Road Games. What the hell? The truck driver plays games. The hitchhiker plays games. Aren't you kind of young to be hitchhiking out here all by yourself? 
Aren't you kind of old to be picking me up? And a killer is playing the deadliest game of all. Oh, he's just killed a girl. Did he make love to her first? I don't know. What's the difference? It makes a lot of difference. I think in order to play the game properly, we have to know what he thinks of women. Stacy Keach is quid. No, no, it's Q-U-I-D. D is in death, the young girls, you cretin. Jamie Lee Curtis is hitch. Panic in camera. Now you're uh, looking for a little adventure, huh? I could go to Disneyland for a little adventure. What I'm looking for is a little excitement. <gasps> Road games. Across 1,600 miles of desert highway, they're playing games of violence and sudden death. game. Okay, Sherlock. If someone doesn't stop soon, there won't be anyone left alive to play. Road games. I've got something very exciting to tell you right at the start. When I was setting up our Zoom link, I had everything set up. I had a new computer that I'm trying to get my head around. I had to get the uh, headphones uh, connected, etc., etc., and I was all ready to go. And I sent you the link, and then I realised I wasn't wearing a shirt. So I put on a shirt for you, Garth, and I just want to say you're welcome. You needn't have bothered. Uh, <laughs> lazy Monday morning. Find uh, <laughs> <behind> the piece. <laughs> Would have been a confronting moment for you to click on, and I'm oh, just here. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, this. You've this been out. Yeah, this exploitation. Uh, uh, segment has really affected me, right? <laughs> so, uh, well, talking... no, no, no. I felt like it was a good gift to uh, pass on to you. Uh, so, road games. Thank you for bringing this up. I knew of it. Uh, funnily enough, uh, recognised the poster before I recognised the title of the movie. It's got it's got quite a distinctive poster, even though the poster isn't really correct in the selling of the movie, right? It's that, yeah, I mean, a lot of the uh, promotional materials for this don't really bear out the content, do they? No. Uh, it's a, got a funny tone uh, that's pr pr sort of hard to put your finger on, isn't it? Uh, exactly <laughs> what the market or the, you know, what the audience were that they were shooting for. Yeah, it, and it's also because you've got that image in your head at the start, you're... Uh, well, I spent the first half hour shaking that because the movie is something quite different. And then I was curious. I went on to Wikipedia to see how they summed it up. And it says there, uh, Road Games is a film about a truck driver travelling across Australia who, along with the help of a hitchhiker, seeks to track down a serial killer who is butchering women and dumping their disembodied, uh, dismembered bodies along desolate highways and all those words are correct, and also it feels incorrect. So how would you describe this movie, which Quentin Tarantino has said is his favourite Australian film? So how would yeah. you sell it? Um, I mean, I think I first saw it 
seven or eight years ago when I was uh, working with Umbrella Entertainment and uh, yep. doing uh, working on the actual Blu-ray for this, I think. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, I mean, Richard Franklin, the director, uh, is a big Hitchcock fan. Became a big friend of uh, became a friend of Hitchcock at film school, um, and it's got sort of that yeah that that Hitchcock tone, I guess. Like it's yeah. hard to pin the sort of the sense of humor, the paranoia, the the quirks of you know this erudite uh, American truck driver, yeah, uh, hauling pigs across the country and sort of starting to doubt his own sanity. But yeah. it's, it's not a it's not a slasher film like it's sort of the attempt at marketing it I guess sort of pushes it in that direction a lot, doesn't it? It's uh, really strange that genre, really. Yeah, yeah, because because you're kind of feeling like, uh, oh, okay, here when you see the first victim, oh, here we go, and and it's actually yeah. weirdly kind of artfully done, and then we're we're back into the like even even our hero his his theme music's a bit jaunty, isn't it? It is, yeah, and that's uh, the the composer Brian May, who did uh, Mad Max and uh, yeah. a bunch of other Australian films, not obviously the one from Queen, but yeah, the, the jaunty soundtrack. It's got a, it feels a little bit Cohen esque at yeah. times, uh, you know, very sort of yeah. I mean, quirky is an overused term, but it certainly fits that. Yeah, yeah, it's you properly know, a description, quirky. an app description, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Richard Franklin's really interesting, and I was so grateful that you sent me through uh, Kangaroo Hitchcock, The Making of Road Gangsters, which is a little 20-minute short on uh, the director, Richard Franklin. He kind of seems to be one of the forgotten pioneers of cinema in Australia. Uh, can you give us a bit of insight into his career? Um, yeah, uh, he was born in the early 50s, uh, went to uh, the US uh, to study film uh, and did study film with uh, George Lucas and uh, John Carpenter, I think. Yeah, and Roger Zemeckis Others. as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, all that sort of like that um, that um, stream of mainstream filmmaking uh, talent. Uh, he was in a band called the Pink Finks before that, uh, which right. was uh, <laughs> Ross Wilson from Daddy Cool. Right, uh, but he decided that film was going to be his the way he'd make his his splash. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think his first film was Patrick, uh, which is another one that is uh, fairly well fated by Tarantino in the documentary, not quite Hollywood, uh, which was uh, made with uh, written by Everett DeRoche, who wrote Road Games as well. Yeah, um, yeah, and he sort of had this career that sort of he ended up in the states. He made Psycho too. Yeah, with the blessing of Hitchcock, which was yeah. a you know a, a major thing, yeah. and it's actually over time that that, that film's become pretty well regarded too. Yeah, as a, you know, as a part of that franchise. Oh uh, yeah, and then uh, I believe he came back to Australia, and you know, May he decided he wanted to make uh, art house films along the lines of you know to show that he could compete with uh, Peter Weir and um, Bruce Beresford in that sort of zone. Yeah. Um, and then sadly passed away about 15 years ago, fairly young, uh, but he was teaching film at Melbourne Uni uh, for the later, later part of his career. Ah, oh, he's but, a real character too, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, uh, you know, he sort of uh, traversed a whole lot of stuff in the course of his career. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he, some really beautiful stylized films he's made too there too, like Road Games is beautifully shot with oh. some really fascinating sort of uh, uh, experimental techniques in there as well. 
Oh, there's a, there's a real moment uh, when you talk about the experimental side of it. There's a really effective moment, and I'm, I'm getting well ahead of myself in the film, but, you know, when Stacey Keach's character is feeling like he's uh, uh, devolving into madness and the, the red lights of the car in front of him uh, drift up his face and then centre on his yeah. pupils, and it's a hell of a shot, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's almost a sort of sense of, you know, early David you know, David Lynch yeah. uh, sort of surrealism sort of seeping into it, like that nightmarish stuff. Yeah. Or the, the kangaroo that looms up at him. Yeah, the kangaroo <laughs> is fantastic. The, Hilarious uh, kangaroo. And it's also, as I said, you know, because of the marketing, it, it, it did sort of take me a while to uh, shake what I was meant to be watching, you know, and... It, it's interesting, Franklin in that doco points out that Hitchcock used to say that Psycho was a comedy, which mm -hmm. is a really funny thing to take into account because I'd never thought of it as a comedy before. I saw it as a fairly young the person. The Gus Van one maybe is more of a comedy in, in retrospect. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, but he's, he's correct in that Franklin points out that a thriller and a comedy routine have similar rhythms and that really explains the flavor of this film it's going back and forth between uh both kind of genres but using the same rhythm all the way so it's actually quite consistent mm. yeah and just the you know the introduction and the repetition of the characters and sort of you know tying these different uh personalities together as we sort of move through the narrative yeah you know, the, the beats sort of like building up on you know sort of accruing over the course of the film to this sort of overall punchline, I guess, at the end. Right, right. And it's really funny uh, because, uh, you know, Stacey Keach's character, his name is Patrick Quid, and he has uh, a pet dingo in his truck. And, you know, early on, you're like, he, he's just kind of got soliloquies, hasn't he? He's just, yep. because he's talking to his dog, which is a smart move, uh, because otherwise this would essentially be two-thirds of silent movie yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly uh, truck, yeah, muttering to himself yeah 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 without the dog he's insane with the dog you go oh yeah that's fair yeah. enough I've, I've had better <laughs> conversations with a lot of mutts in my life but True. It, it's funny isn't it the driving along and all the people he sees along the way and his little quips as he's going through the, the jokes on their own would be a little bit, oh, God, what's going on with that? But in the context of someone who's a truck driver who's probably had 13 minutes of sleep over the last yep. three weeks. And who they yeah. point out definitely doesn't take drugs. Unlike... Right. How often do they point that out? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not... Yeah, and the sort of, you know, you know, repeatedly telling us that he might drive trucks so that doesn't make him a truck driver. And, oh, you know, no. the sort of... <laughs> The sense of like being more. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I used to, when I used to work at uh, Triple J uh, uh, mid dawns. So I'd start at, you know, around one, I think, and I'd finish at six. And the truck drivers that would call in from somewhere in the outback of Australia at four in the morning requesting Metallica. <laughs> it's like, I really appreciate you listening. We are quite clearly not going to be playing Metallica here uh, on Triple J. Yeah. 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 But uh, he, Stacey Keach is really interesting in the lead role. If you check his IMDb, because I'm sure there's some people who don't quite know who Stacey Keach is, he has over 200 acting credits spread pretty mm. evenly across uh, movies and TV. 
And I found him really compelling in this. So what, what did you think of his performance in the film as Patrick Quinn? Yeah, I mean, I think it was probably the first time I'd uh, encountered him too. And, uh, and, and, yeah, obviously he's had a long, long career from dating back into the early 1960s, I think. Yeah. Um, and he only, he only recently, at the age of 77, I think, got his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So uh, he's been as a bit of a background presence in, yeah, a, a lot of film and television. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's almost a sort of, you could see him uh, as, you know, Keach at that age potentially being up for stuff like Indiana Jones as well. Uh, yeah. You know, in that sort of, but not having the same sort of profile as Harrison Ford or Tom Selleck at that point when uh, Tom Selleck was up for Indiana Jones as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he's in that sort of like, yeah, that, you know, that sort of masculinity doesn't really exist in Hollywood anymore, does it? No. The sort of way he plays it. And he's a bit of a prick too, you know. <laughs> Yeah. A bit smug, a bit full of himself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And also a bit useless. Yes. Yeah. Which, which is and Especially as, you know, you spend like, you know, you've driven across all of the, the, the continent and you keep running into the same half a dozen people and not quite being able to piece together what's right. going on. It's, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. funny. It, uh, you mentioned uh, Harrison Ford and Tom Selleck. It felt a little bit to me like uh, Kurt Russell, uh, oh, yeah, like yeah. A, that that type of performance. Big trouble in Little China, sort of. Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. That was exactly Jack what Burton. I was thinking about. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. you know how Jack Burton's hyper masculine and kind of useless. Hyper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of where Stacey Peach is. And uh, it's funny because Franklin originally wanted Sean Connery, but mm. couldn't afford his salary. I think probably Sean Connery's salary would have been triple what the movie cost. And the movie was the most expensive movie made in Australia at that time. But Keach is, you know, he has to do a lot of heavy lifting. Like it is him with the dog by himself for a long time. And he does keep it rolling. And uh, once again, you know, when he sees like the, um, <laughs> the the guy on the motorcycle who he sees sneeze and he calls him sneezy rider once again as a line on the page you'd think oh god but his delivery hey. it feels like you know if you were with him you would have laughed if you were the person in the car you would have laughed heartily at that comment. Oh, absolutely yeah yeah and you know the, you know the i guess the title of the film too like is evocative of a range of different you know the, the stuff you do on the road when you're doing like a long journey like that and yes. yeah, one of the things you do is people watch and sort of yes. put together narratives for, you know, people you might run into at a roadhouse or, you know, wherever you are. Yeah. And the- it's, and he's good as a, as I said, it's as a commanding presence, but uh, also like there's that great moment when he leaps on the motorbike and he tries to take off and he can't ride it and just kind of and he's, yeah, he's gotten the wrong yeah he's got the wrong guy anyway and <laughs> he's got the wrong guy so and how good is the sneezy riders uh sort of crimson red crimson oh. leather jumpsuit for <laughs> so good and the incredibly impractical winkle pickers that he wears to get around ride however yeah. many thousand dollars. yeah <laughs> It's it's a really funny uh, movie in that regard. And and as I said, about 30 minutes in, I kind of realised, oh, this movie has a sense of humour about itself. This movie doesn't appear to be going in the slasher direction. It's more 
uh, tense. It has more kind of thriller moments that isn't afraid to undercut those moments of uh, of uh, worrying that something awful is going to happen with humour. And his character feels like it's, uh, once again, in that Kurt Russell vein, making fun of these types of stereotypical men yep. who are the leading characters. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a great performance. Uh, and, I mean, I think I was reading just after that he ended up, um, he was on TV, I think he was in a, a detective show. Yep. Uh, and um, I think it's he said in 1984, a few years after this made, was his lowest ebb because he was busted with like a whole bunch of coke in LA oh. airport. So he was, yeah, he was living the dream too. Oh, yes, he was too. I completely <laughs> forgot about that. Yeah. Far out. I uh, Naughty Stacy. Yeah. Naughty Stacy. You know, I'm not going to mention the actor's name because I don't want to get sued. But I, I heard a story uh, a while back about a, uh, a relatively prominent Australian actor at the time in the uh, Stacey Keach mould who right. uh, went to uh, buy uh, some illicit substances from the type of reputable people who ride <laughs> motorbikes that you would buy it from. And while... Is this a South Australian story or a... <laughs> Maybe. Lots of motorbikes in. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> lots when, of motorbikes in Adelaide. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And when he went to buy it, uh, the uh, the gentleman selling it had to go and take a phone call, and in that moment, just had the ultimate in brain farts. Picked up the bag, drove off into the desert, did all of it, and then oh. had to get in touch with people to get the money to them because kind of came to and was like, oh, I'm dead. I am yeah, I'm absolutely dead. <laughs> Maybe that's our Ausploitation movie that we make. That nice, the, the nice man with the leather jacket and the, the patches. <laughs> Not running a charity, no. <laughs> oh, man, I'll talk to you afterwards uh, about who that yeah, was. I can, Sorry. You'll make some educated guesses, digressions. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, listeners. Uh, but if you want this podcast to continue, I'm not mentioning any names. But I don't want uh, to be buried. In, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, breaking Bad. <laughs> oh, no, not again. Uh, no. Very early on, we see the killer in action with a victim in his room. Uh, a remarkably creepy and restrained scene at the same time, don't you think? That's a, yeah. Um, and a really stylized, you know, very stylistically interesting too, sort of almost like a... Dario Argento film or something. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, you know, re really rich reds and greens. Um, yes. You know, very rest restrained sort of, you know, approach to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's an impressive little set piece. And we don't really see much of it again uh, in the sense of basically that's the only time you see him commit one of right. the crimes, isn't it? Right. Yeah. And yeah. That, that's what I mean. I think, uh, I think on a second watch, I would probably have even more fun watching this film and especially for anyone who is thinking that they would like to watch it, just know that the advertising is incorrect and there is a lot more fun to it and you don't have to be sitting there feeling a bit squeamish because you're going to be okay. You know, there's, it's a lot more suggestive and fun than it is, uh, you know, in-your-face gore. Uh, I love that after that scene, the next day, Quid sees his dingo randomly smelling a, a rubbish bag, manages to clock some random guy peering out of his window 
and then immediately think something is fishy. And I have to say, Quid's powers of perception are pretty amazing, right? <laughs> Consistently, aren't they? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and just uh, just noting you too that the uh, the guy who plays the uh, potential killer is the star stuntman Grant right. Page, who did um, yeah a, a whole lot of work in the in the various exploitation flicks of the late seventies and eighties. But yeah, he is. Uh, He's got a sort of seedy sort of. Uh, <laughs> he's definitely a bad dude. Even he doesn't yeah. say one word. Does you don't? He doesn't get a line of dialogue. I think it's just lots of uh, suggestive glaring. Well, and it, uh, <laughs> it, it feels like a prototype for the killer Bob in Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, there's almost a supernatural element to the the van and him being everywhere. <laughs> right. Uh, you know. Uh, always sort of either just outpacing him or just being slightly behind, you know, Quid. And I guess we need to mention too that Jamie Lee Curtis does show up uh, right. in the in the second half. Uh, yeah. Late, one might like, think. It is late and she keeps, uh, it's funny, It's uh, we'll get to Jamie uh, a little bit yep. later, but it's funny how, uh, and I hadn't really thought about this uh, until I watched the doco, when you are on the road, and I've done quite a bit of travel around Australia with the uh, Melbourne Comedy Festival Roadshow or the Sydney Comedy Festival Roadshow, there's a lot of uh, stop starting, isn't there? So people get ahead of you, people uh, get behind you, uh, and that allows, uh, as you said, that that sense of the supernatural. It's not supernatural, but there's a sense yeah. of it because it, it's almost like the truck driver and dual. You kind of can't work out where they're coming from. Sort of, yeah, semi-omnipotent in the, he's sort of characterised that way and, you know, down to the, you know, the the end of the film where he's sort of like playing cat and mouse yeah. with a truck yeah. very slowly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the main storylines that propels this movie is the meat shortage <laughs> and the fact that our man Quid must drive a truckload of pig carcasses from Melbourne to Perth. And what I want to ask you is, what do you find more compelling? The idea of a man driving dead pigs across Australia or the fact that when he picks them up, he doesn't help pack the truck, but instead stands there playing his harmonica? <laughs> it's definitely, yeah, definitely B. Uh, sort of an amazing character moment early on, isn't it? Like, just like, who is this <laughs> shithead <laughs> who's great. serenading these poor bastards while they're packing carcasses onto his... <laughs> Onto his truck, truck. mate. Yeah. It, it was it was actually one of the first uh, signs that I felt like I was getting the flavour of the movie wrong because I found that so funny. Yeah, and it's just a small thing, and it's kind of in the background. But as you said, it's such a interesting little character beat to give up. And it, well, yeah, and because uh, I, I think it starts as a, it's just uh, the diegetic sound on the soundtrack too before they do reveal that he actually is. <laughs> Torturing them all with his blues harp. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In the... he, he even sleeps in his truck, and the first thing he does is wake up and put on some classical music and play the harmonica to it. Play the harmonica like, to it and murder that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he should have been arrested for, <laughs> murdering classical music. Well, those cops had him too, didn't they? So. <laughs> oh, my Lord. The cops are fantastic. I will get to them as well. Yes, yes. But uh, quit driving by himself, making comments about all the people he's passing in their cars is is all set up, isn't it? And it's uh, it, it's funny. 
he's making all these comments. And at first you're thinking, what is going on here? And then things once again get that slight sense of the surreal when one of the people he's passed has somehow gotten ahead of him and set up a roadblock with, that was toilet paper, right? Pretty sure it was toilet paper, pink toilet yeah. paper. Yeah. And can, can you her husband. Her right, husband yeah. has just forgotten her. Right. Yeah. And, and not, not trying to just kind of hitchhike. It's literally a barricade of, a of toilet paper yeah. stripped across. It's such a funny scene. And it, it kind of, uh, can you explain it and then kind of set up uh, the relationship that Quid now has with this woman? Um, well, she was, uh, he, he picked her on the drive. Well, there's some great stuff at the start too, where we see Melbourne in the early 80s. Uh, oh, yeah. And he's on the Tullamarine Freeway on the way out of town, I think. And he spots yeah. the family uh, and he decides that, yes, um, she's, you know, yeah, he's, he's got some fairly disparaging things to say about the woman and the husband's a henpecked accountant and all the rest. Yeah. Uh, and it does it does sort of, it, it does the plot evolves. We do see that they've actually got, uh, you know, a parallel plot that we don't go into too much, but we learn that she's also <clears throat> doesn't want to be uh, exposed to the law. Yeah. Uh, and they sort of, which is, you know, obviously not the main plot of the film, but yeah, there's, that, again, that sort of sense of other, narratives happening around it um yeah, yeah so she like uh, the truck driver's credo apparently is you don't pick up hitchhikers yeah so she forces him to stop with the pink <laughs> toilet paper barricade <laughs> and yeah bullies her way under the truck and sort of suddenly he's got someone that's probably more verbose and painful <laughs> yeah he was i mean and he doesn't i mean they don't he she gets quite freaked out by him too doesn't she yeah, but she decided potentially the one who's been doing the the murders. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because they start hearing about the murders on on the radio. Uh, there's these suggestions that they're some sort of Jack the Ripper murderer, uh, killing people. Uh, they've been kind of sparring, and she is driving him insane. And then eventually, it's funny they they stop, and he sees the potential murderer yep. digging a hole. And she immediately turns on Quid for being paranoid. But this guy's got the, an, an esky that potentially, yeah, got the Gwyneth Paltrow situation happening. Right. Um, it's inferred anyway. Um, yeah. And I'd forgotten how close the Nullarbor planes were to the, uh, the ocean as well. Uh, right. <laughs> she, she runs about 30 yards and then suddenly... She's at, a, at we're the, on edge the edge of a cliff. cliff. Yeah. <laughs> I was laughing at that as well. Yeah. It was like you've either... It's either 30 yards away or you've cut out four hours of this movie where she has run consistently. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, It's so entertaining. And you're right. It does set up that even though we have Quid's story that we're following, there are all these stories around him. And uh, that's kind of what that scene earlier on when he's looking at everyone else and projecting these narratives onto them it kind of shows us yes everyone has their own story and sometimes you'll intersect with it and then you'll move on but also it does show like I know I was kind of making fun of his powers of perception when he you know sees one random guy looking out of a window his dog smelling rubbish and thinks what's going on here but it does kind of show that he does have some nous he does kind of have a sense of perception that is more correct than we realize. And he's he's also um, sort of bound up with the killer. The killer actually steals his. Uh, it takes because he's got his name on his truck. 
Yeah. Uh, the killer actually signs into the hotel that he commits the murder in with Quid's name as well. So yeah, sort of ties them together and the cops are sort of <laughs> pretty haplessly for someone who's clearly just driving on the one road. <laughs> yeah. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The cops yeah. are struggle to keep up with him, don't they? No, no, it's it's a real lesson in uh, never putting your name on your vehicle. <laughs> you never know which killer out there is going to take full advantage of that. Uh, let's get to Jamie Lee Curtis. It's really yeah. frustrating that uh, she plays the character of Pamela. We see her a few times hitchhiking before Quid will pick her up. And it's fascinating that the director and screenwriter, Everett DeRoche, don't have her picked up immediately. Uh it feels like if you have Jamie Lee Curtis in the film, why do you leave her on the bench for so long? Yeah. Um, I mean, doing a little bit of research on it, was she originally cast in the role? No, it was an Australian oh. actor, and because yeah. of their overseas uh, distributors, they wanted a, a bigger name. And I think he had met her, I forget through, who it was through, maybe it was through John Carpenter, and he was back in LA. Through, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the role the role was written was probably less of a thing, uh, you know, less of a huge part for someone yeah. like Jamie Lee to play. Um, yeah. Also, the, obviously, the controversy of having two American leads in a Australian film that was a you know apparently, you know, drove people nuts at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Quite controversial. Well, I think they had all sorts of trouble with. Uh, what was it, the actors, I think, would it have been the actors back then? or uh, And there was the Melbourne branch and there was the Sydney branch and one of them was against the movie being made because they weren't two Australians in the lead, but it was the overseas distributors who were providing the coin. Which was, as you said, like the most coin spent on an Australian film, which was about $2 million, I think. Yeah, yeah. Like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who do you uh, they should have cast if it, were, if it did have two Australian leads? I would have gone Paula Duncan at the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can see Jack Thompson maybe uh, at that point. Oh yeah, I would have loved Jack Thompson. He yeah, would have been sort perfect. Of long, sort of like pants man, sort of <laughs> yeah, more adept. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's uh, he's got the masculinity for it as well, and the sense of humour. Yeah. Yeah. And he would have been fantastic. But probably wouldn't have gotten the money. Uh, but wouldn't have gotten the yeah. money, no. Uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, I think, you know, getting uh, Jamie Lee in, uh, involved in the film, uh, I think they kind of underestimated how big she was and maybe they should have uh, 
in hindsight, done a bit of a rewrite and had her appear earlier because I, I tell you something that really stands out in the film is that Stacey Keach and Jamie Lee Curtis as actors really stand out with their experience uh, compared to everyone else. That's not having a go at anyone else, but yeah, you can just see yeah. their level of professionalism that they've experienced really elevates them. And the movie really ticks along like it's, it's a fairly short scene, but you do actually believe that they have, an instant connection of some sort. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, um, you know, as much as you know, the the campfire scene and all the sort of, you know, there's there's a inference that she is rom romantically interested in him, but he still he, he seems to have at least a level of chivalry going on there as well. And right. the character. Right. Um, which was a little bit surprising. I, I don't think you'd probably get there now these days. It would be <laughs> Well, now now would be done in kind of a too obvious way, but it's totally. but the yeah. but the things that we learn about this guy is even though he drives trucks, he's not a truck driver. He doesn't do drugs, and when he picks up really hot Jamie Lee Curtis, who's quite clearly interested in him, he's not interested because it's just not the right thing to do. That's right. Yeah. Although he's you know had the uh, campfire and the <laughs> serenade and all the rest, uh, you know. He's still a, he's still got some ethics. Although apparently he also was like running, was he running guns or something? He says at one stage, like he was yeah. like a, some yeah. sort of, you know, uh, mercenary sort of situation in the. Yeah. Uh, earlier in his like, career, he was in Panama, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Like he was like a secret agent or something. Uh, or yeah. Like a mercenary. yeah. Well, it is. It's kind of that old school uh, kind of character in that sense that it is, morally he seems like he's a bit uh when it comes to work a little bit loose but yeah. then there's certain things that he will just you know keep a straight line with it's what makes the character really interesting because yeah. even though yeah. this is kind of like a fun film he does feel like a a realized character uh interesting fact about DeRoche as well uh, he suggested that they make a movie with the plot of Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window but have it take place in a moving vehicle. And that's how we get this film, which I think explains also their old school kind of dynamic, don't you think? Like a sort of Bogart, Bacall sort of thing. Or yeah. A, yeah. Yeah, Jimmy Stewart. And uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't seen Rear Window for a long time, but yeah, I mean, it, it, the same sort of sense of like, yeah, um, yeah, the paranoia and the sort of the uh, voyeurism, obviously, yeah. you know, big, big for Hitchcock. Um, yeah. Although Richard Franklin treats his female characters that live a lot better than Hitchcock probably did um, right. on his, um, from what we know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Stacey Keach talking about her in the doco is really funny as well because he is, once again, he's that old school kind of actor where he just has no compunction and just saying, oh, what a beautiful woman. Oh, yeah. what a, just beautiful. Like he just keeps talking about it and it's like, it, it feels like if, if it was a younger actor, you'd be like, all right, calm down. But because he comes from a different era, you go, oh, yeah, he's he is kind of a gentleman who is also yeah, yeah. not afraid and to... There are, uh, you know, there are a few, you know, slightly whiffy moments in the script that are just, you know, by virtue of it, the, the film is like 40 years old now. Yeah. Uh, so politics have changed a bit too. But um, Well, it, it's interesting that you say that because I find that the parts of the film that are 
the creepiest are the parts that are the most real, such as the first roadhouse that Quid stops at to make his phone call is confronting with the artwork on the walls. I found that particularly bothersome. And I'm guessing that had to be a real place. Uh, Yellow Dean Roadhouse in Western Australia, yep. Uh, Definitely a real place. It only was, (laughs) I I imagine the mural went in the 80s, but they've only recently, uh, they've, refitted out i think i was reading yesterday yeah uh, but yeah the mural definitely which is a pretty harrowing depiction of sort of um the arrival of uh the first fleet yeah um <clears throat> yeah that mural certainly wouldn't have lasted much longer after that surely oh no it's full on and it's uh and also i have to say a lot of the graffiti was disturbing apart from one that did make me laugh and in, in the toilet where just in the background it says Slim Dusty is a poofter. A whole people. And also such a such an awful outdated word, but because I haven't even seen it written in such yes. a long time, I inadvertently laughed because it was like, oh my God, that's the kind of shit you used to see written everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that does sort of the camera does linger on that stuff and yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's some pretty confronting gear there. I mean, even, you know, the casting in that uh, roadhouse scene too was like, you know, it looked like a Rennie Ellis photo shoot from right. that, that period as well. Just They just got some really good character heads in there. Yeah. Really sort of show that otherness. And, yeah. you know, almost sort of hills have eyes, sort of like paranoia. Right. Of being, you know, isolated and surrounded by a bunch of people that, probably wouldn't, you know, blink twice if, you know, they, they might disappear you or get that fan blade and kill you or whatever. Or... Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's not necessarily a, a seductive sell to come to Australia if you don't realise how isolated everyone is in these things. You're on, you're on the edge of sort of like Wolf Creek, Ivan Malat sort of territory at that point. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, well, I found all of that stuff much more uh, confronting than anything that uh, implied of uh, what was going to happen with with the killer. But something that I did find hilarious was the subplot with the guy and his boat, which what a funny kind of just it only has kind of two scenes as well. You know, he drives past the guy towing the boat, flicks up a rock, smashes his window, and then later on, when Quid is trying to drive around the man who has somehow in about an hour replaced his front windscreen, he refuses to get out of his way and his comeuppance is the anchor comes loose from the boat, gets caught up underneath the truck and pulls the boat off and they smash it. And it's kind of, A, hilarious. B, you think, what the fuck does this have to do with anything? And also, C, not a bad stunt, all things considered. And D doesn't actually stop to exchange insurance details or anything. Just just keeps going. Yeah. <laughs> Mate. Like all these bizarre encounters where people just drive away straight after and don't really oh, yeah. know, do any sort of like, you know, oh, you all right? Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. look in the rearview mirror. Oh, keep going. He, he has a boat. Fuck that guy. <laughs> what an arsehole. Yeah. Yeah. I well, he asked for it, didn't he, really? Yeah, well, he wouldn't get out of the way and he was trying to chase the killer. We could have uh, sold this movie immediately if he'd uh, just made uh, just a 
little edge over to the left. I also loved the uh, the cops as well. Like they looked like they were coming from an end of year footy performance of the village people. <laughs> yeah, they were. Uh, yeah, they're pretty special regional cops, weren't they? Uh, yeah, the handlebar. Yeah, it's hilarious, and but they are also kind of funny and kind of creepy all at the same time. Well, yeah, again, again, it's that sort of sense of like, you know, you're out there in the middle of nowhere and like, you know, <clears throat> they've potentially got less than, you know, chivalrous intentions for you. And, yeah, you know, the fact that he's, you know, he's hiding Jamie Lee Curtis in the truck at that point, I think, well, she hides from them because she's actually, her story also is more detailed than we were aware of at that point. Yeah, in terms yeah. Of her being an heiress and on the run and all the rest. So Right. Yeah. I know. It's such a funny little scene, but uh, once again, it, it really adds to the, I think the other term you just used was the otherness of the world out there that we don't see all the time. Which does, uh, I guess, yeah, having passed two Americans does give a, even more of a sense of, you know, being, yeah, at, at the sort of whim of like these people and in the environment that you're not yeah. necessarily, you're, you're alien to as well because of your, yeah. you know, your accent and your... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the way he behaves in the roadhouse even sort of like puts them all on edge immediately as well. Right, yeah, it really kind of spells out. Uh, I suppose if you had Australians, you know, they they would have a scent. You'd probably have to yeah. make the Australian characters a little bit more toffee, wouldn't you? Probably high-end to kind of point out yeah. the otherness. But yeah, with this scenario where, yeah, they definitely have to sort of, uh, yeah, be uh, yeah wealthy, whatever, uh, thrown into it that way. Yeah. Uh, there's some nice bait and switches in the film. When Quid thinks he has the killer confronted in the toilet and then after Pamela has disappeared and he thinks that she's hooked up with the potential killer. What a, fu- what a funny he jump. Just turns, like, he just turns on it, doesn't he? <laughs> he just turns. Like, absolutely. And it's, it's like, oh, fuck of, you, whatever. <laughs> I know. It's, it kind of speaks to him being alone a lot, doesn't it? That yeah. it's, it, 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 it reminds you of people uh, towards the end of lockdown who weren't uh, talking to enough people who would who would turn on you because they sent you a text message an hour before and you hadn't replied in time. <laughs> yeah, yep. And he's, and he's yeah, because he uh, happens upon the married, the just married couple that are, yeah. yeah. And then he decides that that's Pamela is hooked up with the, <laughs> the murderer and, oh, well, see you yeah. later. Uh, I knew it. I knew she was a bad person. Yeah. So, <laughs> You, you come to that very quickly. Uh, also, the scene in the at night in the back of the truck when Quid thinks there's someone hiding amongst the meat. Um, is there a scene that you have a particular fondness for in the in the bait and switch part of the film? Um, I, was, I was just thinking of the uh, well, not so much a bait and switch, but the um, I mean that's a pretty great one in the truck because it is insinuated that like he's strung up, yeah, two torsos, and it's, it's sort of. Um, uncertain as to whether he has or not there yeah um but there's also the scene with the the lightning strikes yes that reveal the van and the and the killer being on their tail again which is a yeah. very effective. um yeah there's a quite quite chilling yeah we're not expecting she's wandered off to <clears throat> relieve herself and yeah. uh this is that sudden sort of oh god he's there yeah yeah and you know, again sort of omnipotent or at least you know presented as sort of being you know a step ahead or you know almost like a shark yeah with that with the van like you know the van again quite ominous sort of you know undertones there 
it's a really effective scene. Uh, slightly undercut by the fact that she doesn't go back and tell Quid. No. <laughs> yeah, there's some fun, interesting leaps of logic, isn't there, throughout yeah. the film? Like, you know, just sort of the plot is is what it is and it's sort of, yeah, uh, actual uh, rational behaviour a lot of the time doesn't really um, feed into it, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's the comedy I side of it, right? The thing they would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but that I find I thought that was my favorite scene as well because it's uh, to be honest it kind of does take you by surprise it's not set up in any way that it foreshadows what she's about to see she just wanders off and then suddenly boom yeah. there he is and then uh, and as since it's a lightning strike it's it's just a nice little flash of knowing that he's there it also kind of speaks to the paranoia that the characters might be experiencing as well. Absolutely, yeah, and sort of, yeah, further down that rabbit hole as they uh, get closer and closer to Western Australia, well, to Perth. Um, yeah. And I did notice uh, Lester, the guy who uh, weighs the truck, uh, says he used to uh, work on the trucks in Broken Hill too. Right. So <laughs> little yeah. nod. Yeah, good shout out. <laughs> yep. Uh, I, I feel like the last 30 minutes of the film is my favourite when you really start to question quid sanity. Uh, there is a moment where he says earlier on that he's driven from Port Hedland to Melbourne over the course of two weeks without the aid of any stimulants, because I don't know if you know this, he might drive trucks, but he's not a truck driver and he doesn't take drugs. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) yeah, so he's done that over the course of two weeks and now who knows how long it's taken him to drive from Melbourne with these dead pigs to Perth. And when you first saw this film, so you saw it, what, eight years ago for the first time? Seven or eight years ago, yep. Yeah. Did you have a moment like I did where you started to think, oh, maybe Quid is actually the killer? Um, yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, there was a sort of, uh, I guess now we're sort of used to sort of like those those reveals a bit more too, aren't we? But, uh, you know, there's the potential that like he's having, he's hallucinating or like, you know, dual personalities or something going on. Yeah. Um, and could potentially be the guy. Yeah. Because he is melting down quite a lot as, yeah. the, as the film sort of progresses. Well, it's interesting because you don't really see uh, a, a lot of interaction between Jamie Lee Curtis and anyone else or the killer yeah. and anyone else. So uh, there the was a... essentially just he, he just ties her up and sticks her in a sleeping bag, doesn't she? Doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he assumes that she's either. Yeah, eloped with him or dead, and yeah, and you know what? Like either no. way, I've got I've got to get these dead pigs to Perth, which I've yeah started to defrost as well. So <laughs> right, yeah, I'd forgotten that. Like anyone eating any of those pork products is probably either dead or at the very least lost a lot of weight, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah the salmonella situation pretty out of control there. It's interesting as well the way the movie shot because it is shot from the view of Quid and how he sees uh, the world and therefore that clouds his experience. And once again, a lot of it is obvious, like not in a bad way, but there's everything that happens happens at the forefront of the cinematic experience, but there is a subtlety to it as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, and as, you know, as we sort of track towards the uh, end of the film too, it's sort of... Uh, yeah, still a fairly understated sort of conclusion, isn't it? Except for that last ridiculous moment. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. 
We'll, we'll get to that in just a sec. Uh, talking about subtlety, though, all the subtlety is out the window when the bloodied kangaroo head suddenly appears uh, out of nowhere. Shocking and funny. And, uh, you know, Franklin was talking about, you know, uh, he was playing with shock. Uh, he just threw that scene in because he wanted a shocking moment and he wanted to play with that experience. And it really speaks to the lack of fun in a lot of modern-day movie-making don't you think that he just went, well, it's not necessary, but we're just going to throw that in just to get a little buzz in for the audience. This, yeah, I mean, it sort of mirrors, there's a similar uh, kangaroo uh, scene in Wake in Fright that yes. goes differently. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, and this point, yeah, I mean, again, like he's not a truck driver because most truck drivers would have driven straight through that row. Uh, right, right. It would, no, no truck driver would have stopped for that row. <laughs> He doesn't take stimulants. He doesn't sleep with hot young hitchhikers that he's picked up. And he, he has, definitely doesn't clean up kangaroos. He doesn't clean up kangaroos, mate. He's, he's a lover, this guy. Uh, I wonder, would this movie have been better if Quid had been the killer? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there would be... Yeah, I mean, the Grant Page character as it stands is sort of like uh, just sort of the motivator for the sort of draw quid across into Perth, isn't he? He doesn't really do much apart from look seedy, evil. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, goad him. Yeah. You know, that, that you know, that not sure what his plan was towards the end when he was sort of luring him in the van oh. <laughs> with the truck through the back streets and the cops and the... Oh, the, that, that whole last chase scene where the truck is chasing the killer down tighter and tighter... Uh, alleyways, yep. not even roads, down alleyways, and then the truck getting stuck, but somehow mounting the killer's van with the cops behind trying to crawl underneath, the cop and then trapped under it with a, 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 a like a loop of wire, some weird <laughs> loop of wire, up. yeah, <laughs> and and Quid can't get out of the car. When he finally gets out of the car, it's once again, if you haven't clocked that this movie is funny, you might yeah. think. What the fuck is going on here? But it is an hilarious ending, and especially when he finally captures the the killer and he gets surrounded by all of those people the entire that, ensemble. Been, yeah. that have all not only been set up from the first 10 minutes of the film, 15 minutes of the film, but also just happened to be all going to Perth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that exact location. <laughs> yeah. And there were meant to be uh, more characters. Like, there's more people in that scene. And uh, Franklin wanted to introduce more characters along the way, and he just ran out of time. So I'd love yeah, to have I seen... <laughs> I would love to have seen more of these people, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a pretty sort of um, swift, just over 90-minute film. So, yeah, he could have yeah. gotten a few more, you know, crazy road people in there. It's a, it's a funny conclusion. And, you know, even when we discover that Jamie Lee Curtis isn't dead and their interaction is once again kind of old school Hitchcockian uh, relationship where even though this is a really tense moment, she abuses him for not trying to save her. He abuses her for thinking that, she, <laughs> well, I yeah. thought you were off having sex with him. It's such a funny moment. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Uh it's funny reading about the very final scene with the head dropping down from somewhere up inside the truck, which is 
hilarious. But the bit just before the end is, I don't know, it's, it's actually a lot more effective. Uh, what, what do you think of that very final scene? Do you mean the bit the, just prior when they sort of insinuating that that's human meat? Yes. Going in before, yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, yeah, obviously that was added. Uh, I think the producers, yeah, decided they wanted to add that extra scare moment, yeah. the jump scare to finish the, you know, to finish it off. But yeah, I think it was, yeah, the, the, the insinuation that like they were essentially carving up human torsos <coughs> was yeah. enough. We didn't yes. really need the manne- mannequin, <laughs> the clearly. <laughs> You know, clearly, clearly a mannequin that's just been like, yeah, grabbed off this, you know, from a hard rubbish day or whatever. Yeah, uh, not it's that terrifying. Funny. No, yeah, it's funny, but it's it's a shame because you kind of had the fun in, you know, you see, you know, you see uh, Quid and you see Pamela. You know, now they're both hitchhiking. No one's going to pick them up. He, for some reason, has to pay loot. for the damages for his truck, which is what. Thousands of dollars of damage. Hundreds that of he's thousands, done. I think he says. Yeah, yeah, something crazy like that. And then I, I, it's a shame that we didn't get to just finish on the insinuation that some people are buying some human human yeah. products for their ham sandwiches, because <laughs> that's much more effective, I think. Absolutely, but yeah, I think yeah, I think the the, the producers adding that last little jump scare in there, um, yeah, it doesn't really add much to it, does it? Um, I mean. Except for, you know, obviously some of the trailers were shot to look more like they were a slasher, a slasher yeah. film, you know, yeah. than they actually are. Yeah. I, I guess, you know, the producers got to the end and said, well, this isn't going to suit the poster. Quickly, yeah. throw something in right at the end. Uh, Good poster, but, yeah, again, as you said, like, back at the start, like, doesn't really uh, yeah. <laughs> encapture what's going on, does it? Well, it took, as I said, it took me... Uh, a third of it. I, I kind of wish I hadn't seen the poster because it took a third of the movie for me to recalibrate the experience I was having yeah. with the film. Uh, go, yep. The, we'll finish up for sort of a De Palma sort of thing, I think. You know. Yeah, I think so yeah. too. But yeah. it's, you know, it's funny, isn't it? It's like, well, why don't you watch the film and market that rather than market the film that you want to market that we'll obviously that you yeah. haven't made, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll finish off on asking you uh, which character was uh, your favourite uh, named character. Oh, uh, I'm actually not sure. Uh, I mean, I was, I, I was, I did a bit of reading on the, you know, just so I actually did a bit of reading just to see if any of the names had more significance uh, in terms of the, what they were referencing. Uh, you know, like the the dingo's name is Boswell. Yeah. Uh, whether that was, you know, any sort of callbacks or things. Like, I mean, Hitch is obviously Hitchhiker and Hitchcock. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, the Sneezy Rider's pretty good, isn't he? It's uh, all about Sneezy Rider for me. That is. And that outfit. Uh, yeah. He, and a really funny, I don't know who that actor was, but when it's revealed he's the guy just trying to take a, a casual <laughs> crap and there's uh, Quid yelling at him saying that he's the killer from behind the door and then Quid having to apologise, then stealing. And a pretty cool, and a pretty cool uh, weapon. Like, I like the fan blade. Yeah. As a, I mean, that's, you know, obviously a bit like Chekhov's gun should have actually, you know, been used later on. Right. In some, in some context towards, yeah. you know, because it's a pretty cool idea. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure Mad Max had like some fanboy action in the 
you know, refitted fan blades. But yeah, road games could have, you know, deployed it as well. Yeah, Maybe I think a, so too. Yeah. It would have been great. No, it's a, a really fun film. If you haven't seen it before, it's definitely worthwhile checking out. When you hear uh, our main character's jaunty theme music, understand <laughs> that that theme music is literally perfect for the film and it's just best to kind of shake off uh, the way it's marketed. Uh, do you have any final thoughts on Road Games? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, yeah, again, as we've said, like it's a, you know, one, one of Tarantino's favourite Aussie films. Uh, we can definitely see a, you know, the through lines to a lot of the stuff that he would end up making, uh, yeah. you know, during his career. Yeah, I, I just, I just recommend, I mean, it's on Amazon Prime. Uh, yeah. So hold your nose, uh, jump on and yeah give it a look because it's a it's a fun little bit of Australian cinema that's you know not particularly well known but yeah it's a, it's a good time a really yeah. good time and it yeah. definitely should be well known it should be uh looked at uh with quite a bit of fondness because there's there's a lot of stuff to like about it I think one of the one of the other things I uh, just uh, noticed uh on this viewing too is the amount of times they've uh flipped the uh, camera uh to make the because the uh, you know driving on the left hand versus the right hand side of the road yeah they've actually got shot yeah there's shots in there where they've just actually just flipped the truck over right <laughs> because i believe Stacey Peach learned to drive uh, on the left hand side eventually yeah because he was driving that truck as well so yeah yeah well, in the doggo he says he had two days to learn yeah he's pretty yeah well you know he looks pretty comfortable there as not a truck driver Hey, like, I think it's a really underrated performance. And uh, as, as I said, I feel like a road games, uh, Big Trouble in Little China double would be a really fun night. Oh, yeah. Need to get, yeah, it's been a while since Big Trouble in Little China. Definitely worth another look. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. One of yeah. the greatest uh, uh, last lines from a character ever. But let's not go down that route at this point. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much, Garth. Uh, what do you have you. coming out now? Where's, uh, where's Cheaper Skids at? Uh, I am just uh, doing a bit of the flow uh, promotional burn up until yep. March 29th uh, when it will be coming out uh, uh, digitally and print on demand. Uh, you can jump on my website, which is pasttheamel.com um, or Twitter, Instagram, I'm around there. Uh, but yeah, I'm just building up. Uh, this, this project is something I'm going to be in incorporating video, a whole bunch of multimedia things into the actual uh the book project yeah uh, lots of fun uh and there'll be more bits and pieces coming out over the next few weeks yeah great i'm looking yeah. forward to it garth thanks for that Thank mate you. and i uh, look forward to having you back soon thanks charlie Thanks to Garth for joining me today and make sure you head to our Facebook page to check out his new book, Cheaper Skips. Uh, as you heard at the start, I'm going to be laying low for a bit, so I hope you are well and I'll be back on this feed when I'm feeling uh, 100%. So until then, uh, stay safe out there and uh, yeah, we'll speak to you soon. Until then.
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed And it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.